What is up guys? It is Quinn here and in this video I'm going to be running through some of my top trade targets heading into week six of the NFL season. So these are players I'm trying to buy low on. I think their value is kind of taking a dip. It's about to rise back up and you're probably not going to be able to buy these guys for as low as you can right now. If you guys watch the video when you enjoy the content, just do me a huge favor, hit that like button and if you are not already subscribed, subscribe to the channel. Also go check out the uh, waiver wire video which is already up on my channel. And then I'll be posting my sell highs today also. And then if you guys do have any fantasy questions, you can drop those down below. So maybe, you know, you see a player that you want to buy low on, you want to kind of run some offers by me, you can drop those down below and I'll make sure to get back to every single person. But let's jump into the trade targets. And I'm going to start off actually with two honorable mentions. It's going to be Amon Ross St. Brown and T Higgins. These are both guys who basically put up, you know, pretty poor production this week but it was basically just due to injuries. T Higgins, I feel like it's probably not gonna work on because everyone was probably watching the primetime game, seeing him not playing. But for a guy like Amon Ra, it wasn't like he went out and just played poorly, like he was on a snap count. He wasn't getting his full workload. So maybe someone just saw you know, the overall or the box score. They see he didn't really do much. They think it was a bad game. You can try to buy low on him because I still think he's like a top 10 wide receiver moving forward. But because of those were injuries, I didn't really want to you know, dive super deep into those players. The first one we are going to dive deep on is going to be AJ Brown. And he's going to be coming off of his worst performance of the season. Only catches three passes for 32 yards. And so after week one, if you guys remember, AJ Brown had like 10 catches, 155 yards, Everyone's like, all right, this dude's going to be like a top five wide receiver rest of season. This dude is an absolute stud. Over the past four weeks, he's been fairly pedestrian, averaging 13 PPR points per game over that stretch. For me, I'm not fading off of AJ Brown. I still view him as a top 10 wide receiver moving forward, which is obviously why I'm trying to you know buy low on him at this point. But I do think you can push the narrative like week one was a boom week. He's kind of fallen back to earth. He's more of that like wide receiver two range, mid to high end wide receiver two. The reason I still feel confident with AJ Brown is he's averaging nine targets per game. If you're given someone as talented as AJ Brown nine targets per game, he's going to put up some strong production. He's also still averaging 87.2 receiving yards per game. So the overall like yardage is totally there. That's a really strong number at the wide receiver position. The one overall area that's kind of holding him back at this point is just the one touchdown. So five games, one touchdown, if you're averaging nine targets per game, that's just straight up unlucky. And you know, you can kind of point to the fact that Jalen Hurts only has four passing touchdowns on the season. And I understand, you know, he's not someone who's going to be lighting it up with passing touchdowns. He's not going to be leading the league in uh, overall passing touchdowns because he does, you know, use his legs a ton. He's going to get in on the goal line like that. However, he currently has four passing touchdowns to six rushing touchdowns. That is a very unsustainable ratio there. Like there is no shot we're going to be looking at the end of the season and Hertz is going to be like 20 rushing touchdowns to 15 passing touchdowns. It's just not going to happen. I'm very confident that number is going to flip. Obviously, I don't think Hertz is going to be, you know, carrying AJ Brown to 12, 13, 14 passing touchdowns, but all he needs is seven, eight, nine on the season. And I think he can turn in a top 10 season. So I think this is the perfect time to go out, try to bring in AJ Brown, try to buy him as if he's a mid to high end wide receiver too. When in reality, I do think he's a top 10 guy moving forward. The overall theme of this video is going to be getting stud wide receivers. And that is going to lead us into CD lamb. I think this is probably going to be the last chance to actually buy low on CD lamb this season. 
Overall, his value has just been an absolute roller coaster. You know, he heads into the season being viewed as like a mid-tier wide receiver one. He was basically the top guy after that consensus group of uh, Cup, Jefferson Chase, and then you had Diggs, Devontae Adams. C.D. Lamb was the guy that most people put after that tier. Then he goes out, has a brutal week one performance. Dak goes down, and I mean, people were selling off C.D. Lamb for like high-end wide receiver threes. Like people were out on C.D. Lamb. He was viewed as like a back-end wide receiver two. Then he starts balling with Cooper Rush. He gets elevated back to probably wide receiver one territory rest of season. Week five, down game, five receptions, 53 receiving yards. I am very, very high on CeeDee Lamb's overall ceiling rest of season. After week one, I'm not going to lie, I was a little concerned. It's not like I was, you know, going to be giving him away for nothing, but I was kind of like, ah, did I like fall for the fact that he's not this elite wide receiver and we're just buying into the fact that he's going to be the number one? Like those were kind of the thoughts going in my head because typically I've been much lower on CeeDee Lamb than consensus. I'm flipping here. I am in on him. The fact that he has averaged 17 and a half points per game without Dak Prescott at quarterback, that tells me that this dude is a stud and he is here to stay. And I truly believe that when Dak gets back, whether it's week six, week seven, week eight, from that point on to the rest of the season, I truly believe that CeeDee Lamb has top three wide receiver upside and Dak could be back, you know, as soon as week six. Now they are winning without him, so they're probably not going to rush him back. Obviously, you know, People are making jokes like Cooper Rush going to take over for Dak Prescott. I think we all know for fantasy-wise, Dak Prescott is definitely the higher ceiling player. So rest of season right now, I would firmly take Cup, Jefferson, and Diggs over CeeDee Lamb. After those three players, I honestly think we can have a conversation. You take Devontae Adams, you take in Tyreek Hill. Like, you know, you could take those guys. I wouldn't hate you for it. I'm on Raw, whatever you want. But I do think it is a conversation. And so if he's in the conversation with those guys like wide receiver four, wide receiver five, wide receiver six, if you can get them for around wide receiver 12, 11, 10 price tag, that is something I'm definitely going to be going after. Now, another wide receiver here, like I said, it's the theme of this video. We have Jalen Waddle, who is probably like the textbook definition of a buy low here. He's coming off of back-to-back dud games, week four, only 5.9 points, week five here, only 5.3 points. So back-to-back games of under six PPR points. I think people kind of view Tua's injury as, I'm not going to say more serious than it is, because it was clearly very, very serious. It was very scary. But in terms of the timetable for his return, I feel like people are thinking this dude's going to miss like five, six, seven weeks. They did not put him on IR. I think it's very possible he could be back within the next two weeks. And when Tua is in the lineup, Jalen Waddell is a top 12 wide receiver, in my opinion. When Tua is healthy, Jalen Waddell is a locked-in wide receiver. Set and forget it. He is in your lineup. So now if you are a, I guess, struggling team, you're sitting at 0-5, 1-4, maybe even like 2-3, you probably don't want to buy Jalen Waddell here just because you're going to have to accept at least, you know, a week or two of some probably poor production with whoever the quarterback is going to be there. But I think if you're a winning team and you can buy low here on Jalen Waddle, it's something I would definitely be going for as a long-term option. If I was going to go out and try to bring in Jalen Waddle, I'd be hoping that he is on a roster of a struggling team because just like I said, you don't want to trade for him if you are struggling. If a team is sitting there one and four, two and three, they have Jalen Waddle not producing in their lineup, 
they're going to be much more likely to want to move him off of their rosters. So I'd be looking at some players who have kind of overachieved. Maybe a guy like Tyler Lockett, who I wasn't super high on, but he's definitely going to prove me wrong. He's been super solid. I believe he's a top 12 guy in terms of points per game at this point. Like long term, I'm definitely preferring Jalen Waddle. Throw out a Tyler Lockett deal, you know, because he's been producing recently. Even a Gabe Davis coming off of a massive game. Talked about him as a sell high option. These are the types of offers I'd be throwing out there for Jalen Waddle. Now, another wide receiver here, another stud, it is going to be Chris Godwin. And so I think he's another solid by low. Since returning from injury, he's basically given you back to back floor weeks here in week four and week five. Week four, he had seven receptions for 59 yards. Week five, he had six receptions for 61 yards. I'm not sweating the touchdowns. They're going to come in this Bucks offense. We know they're a high-volume passing attack when they have their weapons. They're going to score a lot of points, so I'm not worried about the touchdowns. These games with a touchdown, he's given you like 18, 19 points, which you're feeling super great about in your lineup. I think of all the Buccaneers' weapons, Chris Godwin probably has the highest weekly floor, at least at the wide receiver position. Like I think he's safer week-to-week than Mike Evans. He definitely doesn't have like the elite ceiling that Evans does week to week, but I think Godwin is a very, very safe play. And I think people are forgetting, like we drafted Chris Godwin as a discount. Like I'm sure you drafted him around four, round five, round six, maybe even like round seven if your league mates, you know, weren't super sharp because he was coming off of that ACL tear. And the general idea was like maybe he misses a few weeks early on in the season, he struggles a little bit, and then like second half to back half, he's going to be a league winner for you. We are way ahead of schedule here. Chris Godwin played in week one, then suffered like a totally different random injury, has come back, you know, from the ACL and this other injury and has given you like startable weeks in back-to-back games. So I think he's ahead of schedule here. So the fact that he's giving you, you know, wide receiver two production now, which is where you drafted him at, back half of the season, he could be an absolute stud because he may not be, you know, 100% at this point. So I think he's someone I want to get on my roster now buy him low. He's going to be peaking throughout the season. I think this Bucks offense is going to continue to get better. So he's definitely someone I want to be going after. And then the fifth and final buy low option, we're finally pivoting off of the uh, wide receiver position. We're going to be going with Travis Etienne here. He has now led the Jaguars backfield in snaps for the second straight week. And I know he's not necessarily like a buy low because he's coming off of a 14.4 point game, his best fantasy performance of the season. But like on the whole, you're getting him way lower than where you drafted him at. He's only averaging nine PPR points per game on the season. And early on, I was concerned. I had a lot of ETN on my teams. He's not someone I moved off of just because I wasn't trying to sell low on him. But through like three weeks, James Robinson just looked undeniable. It wasn't that Travis ETN had been horrible. He did have some mistakes in uh, week one. I think he had a drop and a fumble or maybe two drops or something. So we had made mistakes, but it's not like ETN was just playing like an absolute trash can James Robinson was just coming out like a stud off of that Achilles tear. Past two weeks, not as hot for James Robinson. The rushing efficiency hasn't been there. He hasn't really been a factor in the receiving game. And I think ETN is still in play for that upside that we drafted him at. So obviously when we're looking at him as a season-long asset, he's definitely probably still going to be disappointing because he's had a rough start to the season, right? Like if he was a hit, he'd probably already be averaging 13, 14 points per game at this point doing what a guy like Brees Hall is doing. But from week six on, I think he's still in range for that upside. And now you're going to be able to acquire him like much, much cheaper. And overall, this Jaguars offense started off like a pretty strong unit, which I think is kind of counterintuitive here. 
but I think it's better that the Jaguars offense is not good for Travis Etienne because I think those game scripts benefit Travis Etienne better. Also, it's like if this standard lineup isn't working with James Robinson, maybe we got to pivot to the higher ceiling player. Saw Doug Peterson talking about how he needed to get uh, Travis Etienne more looks. It's good to hear that, you know, from the head coach of the player you are trading for. Now, when we're looking at trade packages to uh, try to, you know, acquire Travis Etienne, the best way that I'd be looking at it is I think Etienne has potential within the next week or two to kind of push himself into that back-end running back two, high-end running back three area with guys like, you know, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, Jeff Wilson, but I'm not going to trade him straight up for one of those guys. Like I think those other players are much more established. They've given you the production so far, like Miles Sanders, Hunt, Jeff Wilson. So what I would do is if I had a guy like Sanders, Hunt, Wilson on my team or someone else in that tier, I would offer a deal, you know, where I'd be getting ETN, but then I'd be getting a positional upgrade on top of it. So I'm getting ETN. I'm moving off of one of these running back twos. But then I'm moving up from a mid-tier wide receiver two to a wide receiver one. So it's like hypothetically, each team is getting a you know minor positional upgrade, but you know, you're making the trade because you think ETN will basically be in the same tier of these guys, you know, within a week or two. So you're kind of playing the overall long game here. You're making the investment on ETN that he is going to jump into that tier. And so then you're taking a net uh, neutral with that one side, and then you're winning on the other side. So those are the types of deals I would be looking for with ETN. Hopefully, if you drafted him, you held on to him and didn't like cut him or uh, you know sell him low at this point. Because I do think he still could you know uh, have a little bit of a payoff from where you drafted him at. But those are the five players I am going to be buying low on. Like I said at the top, pretty wide receiver heavy. We have AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Jalen Waddle, Chris Godwin, and then Travis ETN. I do think it's a good week to just go out and try to get a stud wide receiver. While they are low, we did see the uh, running back position have a lot of boom games this week. So, uh, you know, pretty, I guess, against what we've seen early on in the season. So maybe you can capitalize, sell high on some of those running backs. If you guys do want to check out the sell high video, that's going to be coming out later today. As always, thank you guys for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.